So again, welcome friends. Nice to see you all. Today in this session, we're going to explore the Brahma Vihara of Mudita, which is usually translated as uh, sympathetic or empathetic joy. And traditionally, it's said to be the joy we feel when we celebrate and open to and rejoice in the happiness of others. That's its uh, main motivation or expression. But it also includes joy in our own well-being, happiness, and good fortune. So that's the flavor of gratitude that we've already talked about. We'll in include that in the practice today. I love that we're doing it th this morning here on the, in California after Temple led us this morning in practicing with a difficult person because it really points to the um, importance on our path of practice to be willing to open to what's difficult, to understand that there's learning and healing that can happen there. The first noble truth says there is suffering in life, but the practice with that first noble truth is to understand it, to turn toward, towards it, so that we can actually learn from it and find great healing and even freedom right there with and in the suffering. But as well as that first noble truth, the Buddha also spoke often about the power and the beauty and the necessity of developing joy. It often doesn't get talked about as much. We hear about the noble four noble truths, the first noble truth, dukkha, often teachings on dukkha, but this capacity of joy that Temple spoke about last night with sukha and piti, uh, happiness and joy, um, joy as a meditative experience, as a Brahma Vihara, it's essential. And again, the map of the Brahma Viharas is such a wonderful uh, offering to really uh, show a landscape of the heart that can be responsive to any situation we might find ourselves in. The metta with its warmth and caring and friendliness to all, the compassion that really responds to suffering, the joy that celebrates when there's well-being and goodness and, and happiness, and then the equanimity that's necessary all the time to find balance and be grounded. So it's central there in the Brahma Viharas. It's in many of the maps of meditative development that leads to awakening. One of my dear friends, colleagues, teachers, Venerable Analio says that the whole of the Buddhist path could be understood as a progressive refinement of joy. And I love that, that it's, it's not that, you know, we really need to just always be with difficulty, focus on suffering, but that this joy and well-being, this happy contentment of mind and body, this suffusing that, understanding it, supporting it, is essential. And another one of my dear, our dear friends and colleagues, James Barras, many of you know him as a wonderful teacher, was so um, inspired by, touched by, and felt the importance of joy in his practice that he's devoted a lot of his teaching to teaching on joy. He created a whole six-month course called Awakening Joy. Out of that, he wrote a beautiful book, and thousands of people 
have undertaken that training with him that's so valuable. And the heart of it isn't, oh, now go out and try and find joy, more joy. How do you get more joy? It's no turn and look at what's right here and find the joy in what's around you. The joy is already there. The capacity for joy is already here. We just need to shift the perception. And that's a big part of the learning about joy. Again, as Temple was talking about last night, in these simple ways, we can access a sense of well-being or ease or happiness and even joy right here, right now, whatever the external conditions are not reliant on the external conditions. And that's the, the power of this practice. And so as a Brahma Vihara, we actively turn to, create intention to open to where there's joy, where there's joy in our inner experience, where there's joy in the outer world, in the people first, again, that we know and care about, but then expanding out to the whole wide range of uh, expressions of joy. So I love that I get to teach it. I mean, it just makes me happy talking about it. So I'm already experiencing mudita. Um, and maybe you a little also, if you have any familiarity with it, just the idea of celebrating joy. It's wonderful that we get to do that. We, we're willing to open to what's difficult, to heal these relationships, to practice forgiveness, but we also welcome the, the opportunity to celebrate, to um, open to the joy that's right here. We've talked about the near and far enemies of these Brahma Viharas. Um, and so Mudita also has a near and far enemy. And it's interesting that even though Mudita sounds so wonderful, right? Oh, we get to practice joy. What could be better? It's actually said to be the most difficult Brahma Vihara to practice, most challenging because of its far enemy. What's its far enemy? What temple was as someone brought into the session this morning, what Temple responded to, the sense of jealousy or envy. Because that's such a natural tendency of mind, as, as Temple was pointing to. We all know it. It, it. it comes from this mistaken belief that whatever well-being, happiness, success is out there, is like a pie or a cake, whatever you like to imagine. And if someone has a bigger slice, it means my slice necessarily gets smaller. That's the basic sense of um, basic underpinning of joy. I mean, of, of the far enemy of mudita, which is if they have more, it necessarily means I'm diminished in some way. I'm not appreciated, I don't have access to, they've got benefits I don't have, they've got joy that I don't have access to. But it's not that way at all. Joy is actually contagious, and you could even say infinite, because the more we're willing to celebrate in the joy of others and to appreciate our own joy, it just actually keeps exponentially multiplying. So it takes a shift, and that shift doesn't happen again because we know it in our minds. We have to deeply feel in our hearts this sense of well-being, of worth, um, that we don't 
have to diminish others to feel more whole or better in ourselves. And even if someone else is relating in that way, again, as Temple was responding to this morning, that's not a healthy way of relating and it doesn't need to diminish our own capacities. So there's a lot of exploration here. And even though, you know, as we practice it, we mightn't feel really um, strong waves of jealousy or envy can, it can just be little tinges. You know, as we bring someone, what we'll do is bring someone to mind who is experiencing a lot of well-being in their life, a lot of joy, a lot of success, a lot of happiness. And I, I see in myself, I can wish them well, but then this thought comes in, but why everything? You know, they've got this, that, and that. Do they get that too? And it's just a contraction. It's actually a place of suffering. And the more I learned just to say yes and to really celebrate it, the ease that came with that was quite profound. And then the near enemy of joy or mudita is exuberance or exhilaration. And again, sometimes those can seem like positive um, traits. They can actually be. But what happens when they manifest as the near enemy is they get attached to a lot of thinking and almost fantasy kind of uh, attitudes or relationship. I think of the near enemy of mudita is like a firework, a, you know, a big, what are they called, fireworks. You know, it shoots off. It has this ecstatic sort of explosion of coloring, like, oh, that's great. Oh, oh. What happens to every firework that's ever, you know, expanded in the sky? It fizzles, right? It doesn't have a basis for um, sustaining itself. So it gets us out of balance. True mudita is more like a fountain. It's, it's tapped into a source for the joy and it just keeps bubbling. And some fountains can be very expressive, right? If you've ever seen, I know the one I saw was in Las Vegas, Bellagio, the fountains that play with music and color. And it, it's just so uplifting and they can just keep going because they've tapped into the source of what, what it is that's keeping them going. So that's what true mudita is like. It taps in and then we just resonate. We don't have to create it. We don't have to, you know, force it through. If the door is open to this appreciation, there's capacity for joy all around us. So we'll practice it in a moment, but because we're in this form with um, the Zoom, I can actually share a video. And I had to think now, what's a, a good video to share? There's so many out there and I'm someone, probably like some of you, many of you perhaps, I love seeing funny videos or heartfelt video. You know, they just touch us. Not to spend endless time, you know, looking, but if someone sends me something or I happen upon, I love animals, so ones where animals are being funny or whatever, just opens the heart, right? There's this, this possibility for joy. So this is one that I remembered. It's actually a number of years old now, but when it first came out, I just loved it. And it, to me, expresses this quality of mudita. So see what you think, you know, see what emotions do come up. Maybe it doesn't connect with you and you're like annoyed by it or think it's silly or whatever. Um, and it's my first time doing this. So I practiced a little bit. I hope it works. You might have to adjust your sound because there's music, so it might be too loud or too soft. And the basic, um, will I tell you what it is? 
No, I'll let you discover it for yourself if you don't know it. Um, and the, but just see what emotions come as you watch. I, there could be a range of emotions in response. See what ones come, and then we'll come back and talk about it. I do this. I do this. I do this.
my back. Can you hear me now? Yeah. So I've always loved that video. This guy just decided because uh, he was traveling very simply to start recording himself dancing in different places. And sometimes he would gather the people that were around to, to dance with him. But then he started because he was posting the videos. He started letting people know where he was going to be dancing. And that's when those throngs of people would come in and join him. Um, so there's just a lot of exuberance and joy and shared delight in it and all of the varied locations and people that are there. But again, as I said, it could be different emotions that come up. It reminds us of a time that now seems a long time ago when we could travel easily and when people could gather and celebrate. Hopefully we'll be able to get back to that, but just there might be a sense of loss about this sort of innocence of those people not knowing what was coming, what we've all been through this last year and a half or so. Maybe there was some envy. How did that guy get to go to all those places? <laughs> and at first, I, you know, I looked, I hadn't looked it up recently, but I know this from a long, when I first started watching it, he was just traveling very simply, but somehow he got sponsored by, I think it was a, a chewing gum, and they actually supported him going around the world making these videos. Um, so there's a lot in how how we might respond to that. But hopefully it brought a smile and a sense of, again, people coming together and celebrating with each other. And he was always there. If you could track, even when he was he was there doing his, his kind of corny dance, right? He never changed <laughs> dance right there in the middle. So hopefully that gives you a sense of opening up to this quality of mudita, a sense of the expansion of heart to feel connected, uh, to feel open. In the traditional practice, um, we offer phrases like, well, the traditional phrase is, uh, may your happiness and good fortune continue, may it increase and never wane. So it's a bit of a mouthful, but I'll say it again, may your happiness and good fortune continue, may it increase and never wane. So you can use that as a phrase if you wish, but there are just simpler versions. May your happiness continue. I'm happy that you're happy. Let your joy, I'm so glad you're joyful and happy. I share in your happiness. So again, settle on one or two phrases that kind of convey to you this sense of celebration, appreciation, openness in someone else's good fortune. And where we traditionally start, is with someone who we know and care about who is experiencing some degree of well-being. And again, just like when we've chosen other people, we recognize that even for someone for whom life is going well in their relationships or their creative pursuits, their work, their family, um, their body, their athletic, whatever it is, they will also have difficulties. There's no question. Sometimes we don't know that much about that side of them, but we know that every life has challenges. But for this practice, we choose to focus in on what's going well. So as you pick someone, it doesn't have to be someone for whom their life is perfect, because I actually don't think there is such a person. But it, for someone, someone who, that, that you know there are places in their life where they feel really well fulfilled, 
there's a lot of contentment or happiness or joy or expression. And we focus in on that. If the other comes up, we recognize it, oh, there's this loss or this limitation, but we come back to the celebration of where the happiness is. Does that make sense? So you choose someone um, and part of the practice is just as we did before when we might recognize challenges. No, I'm coming back to can I wish well? And we're open to or, or, or um, sensitive to the other forces that might come up in the mind. Any sense of diminishment, if, if they're happy, what does that mean about me, my self-worth? Uh, do I have less? It's unfair. Um, all of the thoughts that we can have. And if that comes up strong, you know, if it, sometimes we'll just have a thought of that. And we can just go, yeah, it's okay. Keep wishing well. But if it comes up in a way where it feels like it would be helpful to just stop and take a breath and go, it's okay. Their happiness does not diminish my happiness or my self-worth. Again, stay with that as long as it feels helpful. The, the reflections that Temple led this morning were so helpful. And then when you feel ready, coming back. And then we'll do some uh, mudita for ourselves, which is really basically gratitude. And then I'll let you choose how you want to flow with the practice. Traditionally, you'd go through all of the different categories, even your difficult person, you would celebrate with them. So it gets challenging. Anyway, let's begin. And hopefully you've chosen someone, doesn't have to be the perfect person, but just someone when you tune in, you go, all right, they really enjoy that part of their life. They love getting out and exercising, or they love spending time with their grandchildren. They love playing the piano, doing qigong, whatever it is. But we start just by settling into our own experience. So there already might be some energy from watching the video, from what I've said, could be uplifting kind of energy, could already feel a little uh, unsettled. Just tuning in, allowing, being with, breathing with, however, however it is for you right now. Using the breath in the body as this beautiful way of coming into presence, softening and opening. And then bringing into your heart, into your space, your felt sense of presence, this person you've chosen, I love this title, as your happy person. Do they make you smile just to think of them and, and their source of happiness? So you can imagine this person and particularly imagine them doing or being whatever it is you know makes them happy. As I've said, all those different suggestions, their creativity, being with loved ones, especially in things like grandchildren. Maybe they really love their dog or their cat. So you just tune into that. Whatever helps support the sense of connection to their happiness. And then you offer this phrase of mudita, May your happiness and good fortune continue. 
may it increase and never wane. Or whatever simpler version of that, I'm happy for you in what brings you joy. I'm happy that you're happy. May your good fortune continue. May this source of joy support you and bring you great happiness. Some simple phrase like that. So offering that, opening to this person, and then just tuning in to that sense in yourself. Temples used a lot the imagery of the uh, stringed instrument. And I'm, again, not a musician, but I know the strings have to be tuned and in harmony when you strum them so that they resonate in frequency. The same with the sitar. Again, I'm not an expert, but I know they have what's called resonant strings that you don't actually pluck or strum, but they resonate with the strings that are plucked. So it might be just very gentle, but just feel, is there a resonance there, a vibration that you would call joy or happiness in yourself as you celebrate the good fortune of this friend? And staying steady with the practice, noticing if it's brought in a lot of thinking, even as you thinking of perhaps about this person in this situation, just coming back to the celebration, the rejoicing, 
the connection here on this wavelength of well-being, good fortune, happiness, contentment. Like a tuning fork vibrating in response to this opening, this, this conduit of appreciative joy. Now letting go of, of this person, bowing to them, thanking them for creating this field of, of joy. Turning your attention to yourself. I said this appreciative joy 
for ourselves is, is gratitude practice. Sometimes called gratitude the fifth Brahma Vihara because it's such a beautiful expression of appreciation and contentment with what is. Really addressing those forces that keep us wanting something else, looking outward for happiness and well-being. What in your own life can you appreciate, give thanks for? And it can be very simple, knowing we all have challenges, losses and grief and physical and emotional difficulties. Perhaps it's something from this retreat, some opening or new understanding, new felt sense that's really supportive for you. Just some area or whole areas of your life where you can give thanks. May my happiness and good fortune continue. May it increase and never wane. Where I appreciate my happiness and well-being, may it continue. And some simple words just to express appreciation, gratitude, acceptance, recognition. What's going well for you in your life? Very simply, very directly. You love your garden. The roses are blooming. You saw a bald eagle yesterday. You just lifted your heart. Something simple you can appreciate right now.
And for the last few minutes of the meditation, just really responding to where your heart is drawn. You can stay with mudita for yourself or back to your happy person. Or perhaps someone else that comes to mind in the categories you've already used. Even the neutral or the difficult person. What would be a supportive exploration for you these last few minutes?
Hopefully that gives you a little flavor of this important and beautiful Brahma Vihara of Mudita. Again, one that really benefits us to cultivate. And if you have any interest in deepening in your practice of Mudita, really recommend James Barraz's book and courses, just very uh, profound and direct teachings on accessing this. Someone has it, Kirsten has it. Yeah, I'm sure some, many of you know it and can recommend it as a, a really good tool. As I said, not to that we need to change anything, go, go out and find some joy somewhere, but be open to the, the joy that's all around us. Really quite lovely. And by now we've given you a lot of practices, different teachings within the metta flow, and then these other Brahma Viharas, and it can get kind of confusing. You know, what should I do when? Um, one of the things I love about these practices is you can be quite creative with them and very intuitive. But I always come back to the um, central theme is to just keep it simple. So, you know, not try and do a bit of everything every time or think you should be figuring out how to include everything, but finding what's your through thread of a way of practicing, especially that supports what Temple was talking about last night, the samadhi, the calmness, the centeredness, the flow. So it's, it's um, there's a sense of steadiness in the practice. So when you're doing your formal stillness or movement meditation, helpful just to choose maybe a couple of people to be sending metta to. You don't have to go through the whole list every time. Um, you know, some time with self and maybe one other person. You certainly don't have to spend all day, all every hour with your difficult person. Um, if it's helpful to spend some time, then please do. But otherwise, uh, uh, you can, can really trust that any tending of the heart in the direction of metta or the other Brahmaviharas has a radiating effect and the other aspects are being supported. We don't need to kind of figure out what's missing, what should I do, which, which relationship should I repair, you know, where's the problem area and I need to go towards that. Um, the establishment of this sense of well-being, of well-wishing, of joy, it will, it will, uh, What's the word? It has osmosis. I love the osmosis. It will filter into the other areas of life and practice. So keep it simple. Keep it simple. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.